Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life-ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. To help celebrate April, the month of the military child, we are going to feature extraordinary military kids every Tuesday on For the Sake of the Child podcast. Our first guest is named Noah. And joining me for the interview will be Deborah Longley, who is the MSEC Student to Student Program Manager. And we're going to talk to Noah about leadership, about moving, and about some of the amazing things that he's done as an extraordinary military kid. Make sure to listen in all the way to the end because he tells a very compelling story at the very end of the podcast. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Welcome to our podcast for the sake of the child. This is Tara, the producer, and today we have with us Noah, and he is an exceptional military kid. So he's going to start by telling us a little bit about yourself, Noah. Thank you so much, first of all, for coming today. Thank you for having me. So Noah, can you tell us a little bit about you and your connection to the military? So my name is Noah Sylvia. I'm 18 years old. Uh, My father's been in the military for 24 years. Um, and I've moved eight times throughout my life. Uh, most recently, we moved at the end of my junior year, um, and so my senior year is at a new school, which is is difficult, but it's it's kind of the lifestyle that we've chosen, and it's it's part of me. So tell me about that day. So this story or this podcast is all about telling stories. So tell me the frame of how that day went when you went home. I heard it was like the last day of your junior year. Yes, ma'am. So we had, there's always kind of the threat of, oh, we might be moving, but no one actually knows. You never know um, for sure until they actually tell you. Um, And so there was, there was that idea that we might be moving, but we didn't know. And then I finally found out the morning of the last day of school. And so that was a little disappointing. So I had to go to school and tell all my teachers and all my friends that I'm I'm actually not going to be here the next year like I thought I was. So that was pretty difficult. It wasn't as difficult as I thought it would be because I'd already lived there three years, which is a pretty long period of time for me. So I guess part of me was ready to, to move just because that's, that's how my life has gone. That's what I'm used to. Let's talk about the academic change. What did that, how was that transition or how did you prepare academically? We know you're an exceptional student. How did you prepare academically for the move or, or your folks? Did you all work together? How did you work with the schools? It's nice because the schools, because they're used to the influx of military children, they're very accommodating. There was a problem though, because I was, I was number one in my class, my old school, and then I moved here and I'm 46 out of 400 500 students so that was a little disappointing because they calculate GPA differently and it wasn't anything surprising it was just a little disappointing because that's detrimental to to looking at colleges but other than that they're very accommodating with academics they're always willing to put you in new programs if they see you're in something similar at your previous school 
And there is a, a significant difference in the academics between the places I've lived. So I lived in Northern Virginia for a total of six years during various times. And it's very academically rigorous there, which has its ups and downs. I was challenged, which was good, but it was also a lot of work. And then here, I'm, I'm not as challenged, but I have more free time to do extracurricular activities and apply for college. So each place has its ups and downs. Yeah, that's great. And we hear that when you talked about class rank, that you are not alone in that. We hear that from military kids all the time. So I think it's great to bring up because we know we have educators and professionals that listen to this podcast. So that's just something for them to be aware of and know that that that's an issue that y'all face. So thank you for sharing that. So you mentioned extracurricular activities. So you have been in the student to student program, one of our MSEC programs. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with student to student, even where you came from and how you you talked about being able to transition to that program here as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So I was I was kind of informally in S2S for my first two years of high school. I I would help new kids walk around but I wasn't technically in the program yet. Um, But then my junior year I joined up and I really enjoyed it. We would help new kids walk around the school all the time and walk them to their classes We'd have meetings once a month and we'd invite all the new kids and we'd have pizza and it was really nice. And then I moved here and it's a little bit different here. It's a larger school. My old school is about 450 students and my graduating class is larger than that here. Um, So my school here is about 2,300 students. So we constantly have new students um, and it's, we're more involved here, which I enjoy, um, but it's not as organized here I guess it's just every place is different but I have gotten involved here in in some good ways. So tell me more about leadership you were selected to be part of the Francis Hesselbein program leadership program and that's another um, student to student Initiative. initiative and so tell me about leadership up to your point of going to Francis Hesselbein and then also what that experience was when you were able to go to the leadership Leadership program. The leadership program. It is a leadership West, program. The leadership program at West Point. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you were the, there's two different ones, so you went to the one at West Point. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Yes, ma'am. So I learned a lot about leadership from my dad. He's been in the Army 24 years. He's a uh, colonel promotable. Um, so he has taught me some good lessons about leadership, of, of leading from the front. And so that is that has greatly influenced how I how I interact with others. And so this leadership program at West Point, it was an invaluable experience. It was incredible. Um, we got to meet all kinds of people. We met four-star general, retired. We met Mrs. Hesselbein, who's a Presidential Medal of Freedom recipient. Um, met a bunch of, of different officers and everyone at West Point, and they taught us all these different lessons on, on how to lead. And um, that was that was very important. and very useful. No, this is Deborah Longley. I'm the student program manager here at Military Child Education Coalition. Can you tell me what lesson you have used the most as you've transferred from Fort Campbell now to Colleen? I would say just learning to adapt to every situation. That's one of the the qualities of a good leader is being able to constantly adapt to a new environment. And that is that is part of my life. I'm always having to adapt and and so in all these new situations, constantly having to, to try and find the good in every new environment is a very useful, the most useful thing that I've gained. 
Yeah, when you came today, you told me you're all about being flexible, that yes, flexibility ma'am. was one of your things. So I yes, think ma'am. that's in line with that as well. It is very much so. Thank you, Noah. I appreciate you sharing that yes, story. Ma'am. Can you tell us what are your plans after high school? So I plan on going to college. I've applied to Yale, Princeton, University of Pennsylvania, Johns Hopkins. So some pretty prestigious schools, and I'm just hoping that I you know, get into one of them, and if I don't, I'm sure I will learn to thrive in any environment. But I plan on getting a degree in philosophy and then continuing to get a degree, like a, a doctorate or a master's in ethics and becoming an ethical policy advisor for an international nonprofit. That question leads me to, you've done some fundraising in the past and you have some passions when it comes to humanitarian work. Can you tell me about some of the work you've done leading up to now, even as a high school student? Yes, ma'am. So my life has been, it's revolved largely around service. I have parents, godparents in the military, uh, FBI agents, nurses, teachers, and so my family is all about serving in some way. So in a way, I've never really considered a career in a non-service sector. But I was in a Model United Nations class my sophomore and junior years, and we were learning about all these different situations around the world. And the biggest one was the Syrian Civil War. And, you know, there have been hundreds of thousands that have died, millions displaced around the world. And it just, it, it struck a chord with me. And I felt like that's terrible and everyone thinks that's terrible but I wanted to do something about it and that's that's kind of the line because everyone thinks oh that's terrible someone should do something but I finally realized that in order for something to be done someone has to step up and so I stepped up and I I asked my teacher if I could organize a fundraiser Um, I found this organization called the the White Helmets and they're the the people who, after there's an airstrike, they rush in and they start pulling people from the rubble. They provide first aid to anyone, regardless of their political allegiance or anything. Mm-hmm. And that that meant a lot to me. I felt that is those are the people who, who really need the help in any way. So I started a fundraiser at my school. I gathered a few of my friends and we would go around to all of the classes and ask people for uh, support in this and then we started selling concessions after school and after a few months we raised over five hundred dollars and then we had to cut it short just because of the the political situation going on there and the white helmets were going through some some trouble so we we decided to end it early and submit the money while they while they still needed it. Noah you talked about how adaptability was one of your character strengths can you tell us a time where that came in came as an advantage to you to be adaptable. You mentioned about moving your senior um, moving your senior year. So can you tell me another time early in your childhood that that adaptability came in handy? Yes, ma'am. So throughout each move, I've never actually wanted to move. And so that adaptability was forced for the majority of my life because mm-hmm. I was I never wanted to to leave my friends and to leave my my home. But there have always been upsides. The move before this one, I moved from Northern Virginia to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and I really didn't want to move because I was in, I had such great academics and sports going on. But going to Fort Campbell, there were all these new opportunities. I was able to be 
class president or the school president my sophomore and junior year, which is an opportunity I would have not been able to have anywhere else. And um, going here, I even continued that. And although I missed elections here, I contacted the student council sponsor before I even got here. And I said, what can I do to get involved? Um, so I've been involved in student council already. Um, so that that's where my adaptability is kind of shown through. Very good. Thank you, Noah. In every circumstance, what makes you so mm -hmm. exceptional, and I don't know if you know this, is that every time you were faced with those challenges, things that even you didn't want to do, you turned that challenge into a strength. Like you took initiative to contact student council. You took initiative to, um, or just had a really great attitude about your mm -hmm. class rank, and that is not something everyone does. Right. And that to me is one of the things that makes you stand out to be an exceptional kid, I mean. Thank you. Noah, can you tell me about your week experience at Hesselbein, how it started for you and how it ended for you? Fears, joys, concerns? <laughs> so it started out, I was actually at a Model United Nations conference and I had to leave that early to fly up to West Point. And so I kind of, it was an odd transition for me going from one large event to another. But I I really bonded with those nine other people that I had never met before. And that was that was one of the best parts, meeting nine completely random people who were just as excited to, to meet new people and to learn from each other um, as I was. And I would say my my favorite experience was meeting Miss Hesselbein. She was just an extraordinary character. I mean, I think she was 101, 102 when I met her, and I mean, she was still going strong. You could tell everything mental was just as strong as it's been. She was, she was so kind to everyone and so thoughtful about everything she did. That was just an insight on how to be a good leader is to, to always have a positive regard for your peers um, and that was very helpful to learn yeah, one thing i love about frances is how she can make you feel like you're the only person in the room that yes. matters i think that's one of her great character strengths um, i hope to model that someday too um, do you have any lessons that from hesselbein that you call upon when you're struggling i think the main one is just to just keep going mm -hmm. i mean from all those leaders that I met, the reason that they got that far is because when they came to a problem that was, you know, life-changing, that was so difficult for them, they just had to keep going. Especially those, the the military leaders that I met, uh, that I met, there was nothing else they could do. They just had to persevere and and lead from the front as best they could. And that, I feel that is one of the most useful skills that you can learn is to just keep going uh, no matter what. I like how you say lead from the front because one of Francis's quotes is always be an opener of doors mm -hmm. and you can't lead from behind and open doors for others. You have it's to be better. out front opening those doors. So I appreciate you saying all that because that's what Francis does is she opened doors. She opened doors for me. She opened doors for you and her compassion for others. And I think she's a great example for all of us as we go and lead yes, in the future. Um, I actually have a, an anecdote from my dad uh, from leading from the front. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So my dad was in battalion command five years ago. Um, and he was in Afghanistan, and there was a, 
a village that had been taken over by the Taliban. And they were supposed to, to kind of, it was in their area, um, but they weren't supposed to go in and take the village. But my dad decided that it would be the best for the citizens and everything if they, they took a force in and they uh, recaptured this town from the Taliban. And um, he said it was, it was really difficult fighting. They lost some Afghani soldiers and then they finally lost an American soldier. And it was just so difficult getting into that, that little village. Um, and no one wanted to go in. Everyone was just tired. And then my dad actually got shot in the head. Someone fired a bullet and someone saw his head snap back. Um, thank God it, it hit the helmet. And so he only walked away with a concussion and a piece of shrapnel. Um, and then a little bit later, there was an IED, an improvised explosive device, that blew up right in front of him and knocked him out. But then he got up and he led his entire battalion from the front. He was the point man for his entire battalion. And that that is probably the number one leadership lesson that I've learned from my father is when it gets the toughest, that is when you have to lead from the front. That is when you become the point man and you have to, to take the village yourself. I can tell you're really proud of your dad. Yes, ma'am. I can. I love when military kids share their stories of their parents, and you can see in their eyes how proud and how much they love their parents, their dads. Thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. Noah, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. I am so excited to share your stories with our listeners. Um, and keep the keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't say enough that you are doing great work already. You didn't have to wait to become a grown-up <laughs> to be able to make a difference. So um, we, we surely appreciate you. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me. And uh, we know military kids serve too, so thank you for your service and your sacrifice. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.